Hello, welcome to today's episode of Money Talk with Skylar Fleming. Today, we have an interview coming up with Gordon Stein. He is the author of Cashflow Cookbook, which we're going to talk about in today's interview. But there's some really great points that come from today's episode. And in some podcast news, we're climbing steadily. The podcast is growing. Please consider sharing with a friend, as I always say, and leave a five-star review if you enjoy the episode. But let's get into today's episode quickly so that we can get to today's interview, because I really think it's going to be helpful. So without further ado, let's get right into today's episode. You know, we don't talk about money enough. It is a topic that gets ignored for some reason, even though it plays a role in everyone's day-to-day life. Well, this issue is what brought Money Talk to reality. I know you're probably busy and don't have much time to research and learn about all things when it comes to personal finances, but that's where this podcast, Money Talk, comes into play. I'm your host, Skylar Fleming. I'm here to do the research and learn all the extra stuff about personal finance for you. The goal is to simply get us talking about money. So let's get talking. Alrighty. So what is today's episode about? Well, it's titled Cooking with Money. And that's because of Gordon's Cash Flow Cookbook, which gives you a whole bunch of recipes and things to do to get cooking with your money and to get your money working for you and all that sort of fun stuff. But today's interview is great. We're going to talk about a lot of key things that you can take away from the interview, a lot of easy things you can do to start making yourself some more money, some things you can do to change today to start to build wealth, What's the most important thing to track? What are the first steps to reduce financial stress? There's a whole lot in today's interview. So thank you, Gordon, for coming on today's podcast. And let's jump right into the interview that I had with him. Awesome. Well, welcome back to another interview. Today, I got Gordon Stein here, and he's here with his cash flow cookbook, and I'll allow him to introduce himself real quick. Hey, it's great to be here. Uh, Gordon Stein. I'm a personal finance blogger, speaker, and author of the book Cashflow Cookbook. Great to be here. Yeah, I've, I started kind of cruising the interwebs about your cookbook and I find it really interesting. I think it's going to lead to quite a fun conversation today and let's, let's dive right into it. Um, budgeting is probably a B word in many people's minds and it's a common thing that everyone's told to do, but what if they don't want to? What are some ways that you can achieve financial wellness without having the budget? I like the way you put it. It's a B word. I'd say it's one of the longest four-letter words out there. <laughs> it's uh, pretty much guaranteed to lead to some marital strife if you're sharing a joint checking account with someone. Um, I kind of think it's backwards. Um, when I talk about budgeting and cash flow cookbook, I'm not a fan of it. I think a better way of doing it is um, really breaking your finances into three parts. I like the idea of having two checking accounts. One of them pays all the bills. So whatever your income source is, a paycheck or your own business, you divert enough to cover all of those recurring bills, cell phone bills, all the different kinds of insurance, mortgages, taxes, all of those things <clears throat> have it come out of that one account. And that means that your discretionary account is just that. So you've already eliminated, you know, the sort of crosstalk where, you know, one partner uh, goes out and gets a new cell phone that they've been thinking about, not realizing that the mortgage is about to come out. And, you know, three other bills are going to come out, then you're overdrawn. So if you get all those bills out of there, now it's a much, much easier thing to manage. The third pot is the most important pot. And that's the one that's going to build wealth for you. So that could be a 401k, it could be an IRA account, it could be 
uh, an employee stock purchase plan, if you have something like that, or a company pension or whatever. But then you know that your savings are coming out. They're right out of the picture. We're going to talk about how to grow that dramatically in a minute. But the idea is you've got that coming out. You, you know that your bills are paid from your bill payment account. And now all you have to manage is a much smaller pot. And that's just things like groceries and, you know, dinners out. So that's a, an easy way to sidestep budgeting. Yeah. I mean, even just the way you painted that out makes it really simple in my mind of saying, like you said, the, I want a new cell phone or I want to go buy something for myself. If you don't see there's enough money in that account, you're not also worried about bills because you know everything's automatically separated. Right. One's not going to mess up the other. It's a really simple way of doing it. There's lots of financial institutions. You can get that second checking account for free or very low fee. Yeah. Different buckets or like sub accounts, whatever the different right. places call it. <clears throat> So, I mean, I think that's even just a great step to get started with like reducing the stress around budgeting specifically, but what do you think is another, like what's another key step or first step to reduce financial stress? Well, uh, when I wrote Cashflow Cookbook, my editor says that it had enough cooking puns to fill a roasting pan. So I'll, I'll stay with some cooking terminology. One of the things that I talk about in the book is first step for me is I call it broiling a bill. So most of us have something like six, eight, 10, 12 monthly recurring bills that are coming out. So this is, you know, whether it's a mortgage or house taxes or cell phone bills, car insurance, home insurance, life insurance, all of these things are coming out. And most people never give them a second thought. You signed up, you know, with your former brother-in-law's car insurance company six years ago, and you've not looked at it since. Well, every single one of those bills can get reduced. And it really doesn't take a lot of time. There's no yelling, there's no screaming, there's no cuss words involved. Um, and for each of these different kinds of bills, there's different techniques you can use to get them all lowered. And you know, if you've got somewhere between 15 minutes and an hour, you could probably take out $100, dollars $300 out of each and every one of those bills. So this idea of broiling a bill, I think is a great place to start. It feels terrific. If you can take a $100 or $200 a month out of your car insurance bill, then go do the same on all of your other bills. So that I think is really a key first step. Yeah. And like you said, it's not terribly hard. I mean, if you have a ton of bills, you might have to take it maybe a few days at a time. But one of the things, like you said, that I do with my car insurance that might be helpful for listeners is like when it comes due every six months, I will just quickly shop the quotes and then I'll, I will actually send the quote to my current insurance company and say, hey, can I, I don't want to change everything. Can you match this or tell me why you're like, just kind of give them the chance to do the shopping for you. So it makes it a little quicker. Yeah. I mean, you know, car insurance is a great example. <clears throat> um, I tried out uh, a couple of the online comparison engines. So there's some uh, good ones out there, Zebra or Insurify. There's dozens of others. They're very quick to enter your cars and vehicles. In our household, we have three cars and three drivers and the spread was $319 difference monthly, monthly. So you think about that, you know, for a single driver, I'll bet you there'll be a spread of at least $100, one driver, one car, and two drivers, two cars, I'll bet you're going to see a good $200. So there's an unbelievably easy first step. We can get into all kinds of examples of, of different kinds of bills and how to tackle all of them. But that's, I think, the place to start. Yeah, car insurance is an easy one to start with. But I think there's there's a lot of tools, like you said. So Next, let's talk about um, financial freedom a little bit. And how can just an average Joe kind of person find the path to financial freedom? Well, I think we've already talked about the first step, which is, um, you know, you can give up things. So if you read a lot of personal finance books, Skylar, they all say the same thing. You know, you want to save 10% of what you earn. You want to invest that in 
mutual funds, exchange traded funds, real estate, rare art, crypto, whatever it is. And, uh, and you want to budget and you want to give up the things that you love. And those, those will all work, but they're really not a lot of fun because nobody wants to give up things they love or budget. or And most people say, I don't have 10%. When I talk to people making $40,000 a year, they say, I don't have 10% to save. When I talk to people making $400,000 a year, guess what they say? They say, I don't have 10% to save. Nobody does. So the whole point of cash flow cookbook and my approach is, here's how you free up that 10% to save in the first place. So you do it by, by you know, going after all of these bills and you're not giving anything up. It's that easy. And you know we watch on average about 20 hours of television a week. So we all have the time. So you're gonna miss a couple of episodes to set yourself up for financial freedom. Step two, I call it savor the savings. So what most people might do if they think of going after a bill, like we talked about car insurance, but lots of other examples, is you free up this hundred or one hundred fifty dollars a month, and you a big woohoo, and then it just sloshes around in your checking account. And guess what? It's going to get spent on something. So the idea is, as soon as you do that, you want to lock it in. People who I think of as debt people, if you have a lot of unsecured debt, you've got credit card debt, high interest debt, those kinds of things, that's probably going to be your priority. If you don't have that issue, then you want to get it to your financial advisor and get that money working for you. And if you do that with some time, over time, it's gonna grow. And we can give you some specific examples of that if you like. Yeah, no, I, I like the I like the idea of don't just let it sit there because it's gonna find a way to get out of your account if you don't have a plan for it. So even just having that outline, like once you run into that extra money saying, hey, what are we, what are we putting that towards? I think is a good conversation starting point around finding that path. That's it, exactly. I mean, in my case, as you can see, I've got a wall of guitars behind me. If there's some extra money in my checking account, I'd end up buying another guitar. So I need to get it out and invest in ASAP. Yeah, well, there you go. You at least have a plan. So <laughs> if it's something you enjoy, that's all right. Awesome. Well, another question I'd like to ask is, what's the most important number to track? And I think this one will be pretty interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of people, well, most people track nothing. So the money comes in, the money goes out, and then you know they approach retirement age and they've got a part of panic. Some people will track a budget um, and that's okay. But the challenge with a budget is, let's say in your budget, you've got uh, $600 a month allocated for a car loan. Well, if you go to a car dealer, they'll say, great, um, look at this great luxury car and I can get this into your budget. Now it'll be a 96 month loan, um, but it'll fit in that $600. So I, I would argue if you're just tracking a budget, you're tracking the wrong thing. I think the one number to track is your wealth. And your wealth is what you own minus what you owe. So if you're a fan of spreadsheets, make a spreadsheet. Hey, you, don't, you don't even have a computer. You've probably got a cocktail napkin somewhere. So I would just set or a sheet of paper, list all of the things that you own and what they're worth. And remember, it's what you can actually sell it for. So good luck trying to sell furniture. So I'm talking about things like your house, maybe your vehicles at market value, um, you know, the value of your 401k, those kinds of things, that's what you own. And then you have what you owe below that credit card, number one, credit card, number two, et cetera. And then you, you subtotal each of those, you subtract them. And what you're left with, some people call it net worth. I call it wealth. That's your wealth number. And I think our third big step is to track that every month. It takes a little bit of time, but it makes you see some things. Am I actually growing my wealth month on month? Am I paying down debts? Am I increasing assets, et cetera? 
And I think it changes your whole headspace. So the number to track, I think, is your wealth. You track your weight, you track your weight. You want to build wealth, track your wealth. I, I completely agree. I, I was hoping that was where you were going with that number. Um, I, I completely agree. For me and my wife, once we started tracking that, it's just, it's actually been borderline insane to see how it's grown just and it doesn't feel like we're doing anything different but that's just because we're more aware of it and you mentioned like spreadsheets and stuff there's an online tool called personal capital that's really good at like you can plug in all your accounts and it'll track it for you um and it'll show you over time so that's that's a good online resource but yeah i think tracking your your wealth number is a great start to just like getting the gears turning towards saving because it's really fun when you start seeing that number climb it, it makes you think about it all the time you've got a new car to buy you want to you're thinking about changing houses you'll think about that wealth number and you'll say what's going to change how's that going to work mm -hmm. yeah it just it keeps it in the back of your mind and helps you make better decisions awesome well what are three changes that our listeners today could make to help build that wealth number what are the changes they can make <clears throat> well i think it's really about um you know, going after these expenses and bringing them down. Um, so we, you know, we talked a bit about um, and, then, and then locking it in, savor the savings, and then you just got to give it time. So, you know, we talk about the, the future value. So if you were able to save $100 a month, let's say, and you invested at 7%, uh, which is lower than the average of the stock market returns since its inception, so that's realistic. Um, you know, after 10 years, you'd have $17,300. After 20 years, you've had $52,100 from just $100 a month. And so, you know, over 40 years, that would give you more than a quarter of a million dollars. So putting it another way, if you could free up $400 a month and invest that at 7%, nonstop for 40 years, you'd have a million dollars of wealth. And you can do that just by freeing up bills, as we've been talking about, not changing anything else. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that one's really great. Um, the, the idea you're talking about there is like compound interest. And I think if people can take, like you said, what they're getting from their bills and they're already willing to spend that much money. Cause you often tell people, like you said in, earlier, I can't save 10%, but they're already doing that. It's just going to the wrong place. So it's all a matter of reallocating it. That's exactly what it is. I'll, I'll give you another example. It's an interesting one. Um, I had to get a prescription for a statin pill, cholesterol lowering. And um, what most people do is they'll leave the doctor's office and there'll be a crazy coincidence. There's a pharmacy uh, right on the ground floor of your doctor's office or right nearby. And people think, isn't this great? Well, maybe not. And so I went in with my prescription and uh, got it filled $107 a month. And I need these pills for the rest of my life. So $107, you know, it's not a massive amount of money, but it's $107. So <clears throat> I suggest it's a little pricey. And uh, the pharmacist said, well, if you get one of our drug cards, it goes down to 63 a month. How much of the drug cards? $20 a year. Well, there's a no-brainer. I just asked a simple question. I was telling my brother-in-law the story, and he said, no, no, no. He says he gets his drugs at GoodRx, which is an online uh, pharmacy, and you can pick up the, the drugs at your uh, regular pharmacy. Well, I look it up, $13 a month. And I thought, geez, if it's dropping this quickly, and I ended up at... Uh, Blink Health, which is where I get my prescriptions, another online pharmacy, $7 a month. So I saved $100 a month. I saved 96% of my prescription drugs by looking at another alternative. So there's, you know, there's $100 a month, and we're going to invest that. It goes in the pot with all the other bills we can save from. Everything can be reduced. That's my conclusion after two years of research to write the book.
And that, that didn't sound very difficult. You just look up cheap pharmacy alternatives and you probably find those and you're saving a hundred dollars. Yeah, and like you want to, so. you want a registered, you know, properly certified pharmacy and you can pick them up pretty quickly. Um, it's as simple as that. So lots and lots of places. Awesome. Well, did you have any other changes that they could make today to help them build well? I think those are the big ones. I think um, what I would say is, you know, make a list of all of those bills, get them separated, and then literally go down each one. Um, if you go on cashflowcookbook.com, I've got about 60 blog posts up there that give you all kinds of examples. And uh, in the book, Cashflow Cookbook, I go through every kind of bill, very detailed examples, how much saving, and uh, show you what it's worth over time. So that's the steps for someone to take for sure. Awesome. Well, let's talk about your book and you a little bit more. Um, how can, like you call it the cash flow cookbook, how can breaking things into recipes and breaking your financial steps into recipes help people like revisualize it or how can it help our listeners? Yeah. So in the book, um, what I do is I start off and part one, we're looking, it's called the banquet. We're looking over the shoulder of this couple and they make a series of uh, financial discoveries. And each one you look at it and say, well, that's easy. We could do that. And in a way you go. And through their journey, we're going to watch them free up another million and a half at retirement. So it really gives you some pause. Now, people may say, well, my situation is different, or I don't spend in the category that they saved on. Great. That's why we're going to part two, which I call the recipes. So in the recipes, there's 60 uh, ideas or recipes. They're worked examples. And we go through the six major categories of expenses. So that's going to be housing, transportation, food, household, lifestyle, and financial. And each of those sections has 10 recipes. And you might flip through and say, oh, yeah, I already do that one. And that's great. Then you're going to go over the page and say, gosh, I never thought of that one. And then you're going to follow the steps in it. And then there's a little tracker. You can use my, you can look at my worked examples. And then you can put your own numbers in the book. And then, you know, tab it, get a yellow sticky note on it, go on to the next recipe. So that's how the book's structured. You don't have to sit and read a long shaggy dog story. You can get the idea in the first uh, chunk of pages, and then you can just flip through. You can read a page a day and say, geez, can we do that? No, let's try the next one. But I would say for just about everybody, there's at least a good $500 a month that they can save by pulling cash flow cookbook. Well, that, yeah, that sounds awesome. That's, Sounds like it paints things in a really easy way that you can just take the tactics and go and apply them. So that sounds really awesome. Well, how can people find you, connect with you, or learn more about you and your book? Uh, sure. Yeah, they can go to my website, cashflowcookbook.com. It's free. Uh, I don't sell your information to anybody or anything like that. Um, as I say, there's about 60 blog posts on there. There's sections where I talk about um, companies that can help reduce costs and bills and all that sort of thing. There's templates, there's spreadsheets. Um, and if they're interested in the book, Cashflow Cookbook, it's available on Amazon. Um, right now, there's a Canadian edition that's up there. And the 1st of June, 2022, the U.S. edition goes live on Amazon. Um, it's uh, pretty much a complete rewrite of the book. And then I'll be applying all of that to the Canadian edition. So if you're in a different country or in Australia or whatever, pick your edition. But most of these ideas are ones that can work for you worldwide. If you want to reach me, you can find out how to do that on cashflowcookbook.com. Awesome. Yeah. We'll link right to that. I'm, I'm on the homepage and it looks helpful. So I would recommend anyone listening to go, to go check it out. Cause I think it, like you said, there's a lot of things on here and your, your, your tagline says 2 million of financial freedom and 60 easy recipes. So 
I don't know the, the numbers you're mentioning, if there was, I would go try it out. So like, there's gotta be something there just to help people start saving money. So Gordon, thank you for coming on the episode today. And thank you for talking about your cookbook. Oh, real pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Skylar. All right. So thank you again to Gordon for coming on the episode and let's wrap up today with some of the key points that I took away from the interview and how I think they can impact your finances. So one of the first main things that we talked about was broiling your bills. And really this just means cleaning up your bills, take the extra off the top. It's a quick place that you can save money. And like Gordon shared, there was the example of auto insurance. There can be a huge swing on cheapest to most expensive for the same exact coverage. Obviously there's a lot finer details you can get into to save money with your coverage on your different insurances, but you got to be willing to shop around because there's probably almost, if not always going to be a cheaper option out there. So do that with some more bills than just auto insurance, but take some money off the top and make it a little bit cheaper. And then another one we talked about was savor the savings, lock it in, make sure you're automating your savings. That one I think is huge. I preach automation day in and day out. I think it's incredibly important to just make your savings automatic to lock the money away, to put it somewhere where it's committed to its purpose. And then another great thing is what's the most important thing to track your wealth. Gordon shared how it can be one of the things that really gets you going. I shared how it's borderline insane, how it was much easier for my wife and I to be able to increase our wealth or our net worth once we started tracking it. And it was crazy to see how much it was going up. And maybe it would have gone up that much if we weren't tracking it. But I think but because of the fact we were tracking it makes it a whole lot easier, makes you notice things better, makes things easier and faster. It gets that invisible hand in your mind turning towards your goal of increasing that number. Another thing we talked about was compound interest. And this really comes on the back of broiling your bills. Get that extra money into savings and get compound interest working for you. Because if you're letting compound interest grow and grow and grow, it's going to eventually become something significant that you can't ignore because the money is just going to keep doubling and doubling. And then make sure you go check out Gordon's cash flow cookbook. I think the recipes is a great new approach. And sometimes you hear the same thing over and over on every podcast, every book, and this, that, and the other. And I don't think this is going to be that case with this cash flow cookbook. But also, even if everyone's saying the same thing, sometimes a new approach is exactly what you need and it'll help make an impact. So go check out the Cashflow Cookbook. You can find it online at cashflowcookbook.com. As he mentioned, it just came out in the United States. So please be sure to go online, check it out. Make sure to check out Gordon if you want to learn more from him or follow him online. But let's wrap up today's episode with a little bit of a conclusion. Thank you again to Gordon for coming on today's episode. I really think his cash flow cookbook can be a great resource for a lot of you. And I think it's just a really great approach on breaking down what you can do with your money. And I hope you're able to get cooking with your money and that things start heading in the right direction for you. I hope this podcast has become a good resource for you. And thank you to all of those of you who listen. I'm really grateful every time I look at the podcast numbers, they're increasing. And I know there's people out there that are listening to this content and hopefully gaining some new insight or some new education to the different points I talk about. So please consider sharing with a friend. Please make sure to leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. But thank you for listening to Money Talk with Skylar Fleming. I'm your host, Skylar Fleming. Have a great week.
Thank you for listening to Money Talk. The Money Talk show is provided for informational and entertainment purposes and should not be used for personal or specific financial advice. Every situation is unique and different. Please make sure to do your own research for your personal financial situation.